This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. I want to invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. And this morning I'm going to give you uh, quite a bit of scripture. Uh, because just to set expectations, this is uh, more of a, a teaching sermon and there's a chance for you to take notes in, on the back of your bulletin. We don't have a traditional outline that I have, but you can jot down some of these scriptures and some of the things that I say. We're preparing for a week of prayer. We want to create at the beginning of the year uh, a chance for spiritual momentum to carry not only you personally, but at us as a church through the year. See, there's different seasons and Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's very good and appropriate to celebrate, to eat special foods, to have special gatherings, to have parties. And those things are part of the discipline we do. It's a discipline of celebration. And we have to have times of celebration. And that's the way God has made us and he's called us. He's, he's designed us. To party and to celebrate under his lordship. And as we start January and, you know, with Sumner County schools not starting until January 6th, for those of us with kids, this year has kind of started off slowly. It just it seems like we haven't quite got that momentum and almost like this feels almost like the first week of the year. And we want to provide some opportunities For you to create spiritual momentum in your life, we're going to have a week of prayer. And every day this week, the sanctuary is going to be open from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. I know there might be some weather concerns, and so you'll want to follow us on Facebook or or, uh, call the church if if there's, you know, a whole lot of snow. I'm not exactly sure how we'll respond to that Monday and Tuesday, Uh, but we certainly will communicate that. But assuming we... It's safe for us to be here from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Any day this week, you can come here to the church and just have some time to reflect. Bring your Bible, bring your prayer request have some time to pray. And Yeah, you can pray at home. You can pray anywhere else. But if you're able to come by here, there's something special about being in the sanctuary, being at the place that you worship uh, with those God has called you to worship with. And, and you have Uh, an experience here and it makes a difference in our services because even though this is a multi-purpose facility its primary purpose is for worship and for us to have worship experiences Wednesday night during our midweek service we'll have live praise and worship and we'll have a focus on prayer and so I hope you do come Wednesday at 630 we'll have youth service as usual and all our children's ministry that we typically do and then this Friday For the next three Fridays, we're going to have at 7 p.m. a time just to come and have praise and worship together. Worship and intercession. So that'll be the next three Fridays at 7 p.m. And you can come and worship together and pray together. And all of these things help us focus. All these things help us to take evaluation of our spiritual life and to get our attention on Jesus. Another thing that I discussed last week and and on Wednesday night, too, is starting tomorrow from January 10th to January 30th. That's 21 days. If you do basic math, it it appears to be 20. But if you count it out by your hands, it's 21. Y'all want to do that together real quick? No, that's not necessary. For 21 days, uh, we're participating in a fast. And that fast is going to be different for all of you. 
because you have an individual decision. What I'm doing and inviting our leaders to do is something called the Daniel Fast. And I'll talk more about that through this teaching today. But some of you might want to pick a certain day of the week to fast. Or some of you might want to eliminate a certain type of food. Without just being too redundant, I don't want to repeat everything I said last week. But fasting is the elimination of food of some sort to help you focus on God. Obviously, this time of year when we're all thinking a little bit about our physical appearance, our physical health, you know, that can bring physical benefit. But the purpose of it is to bring spiritual benefit. And there's a very biblical example Uh, There's a biblical directive that invites us to fast, and it's an opportunity for you to do that. Now, food is a very personal thing. And all of us as individuals respond to food differently. And if we had time, and we won't even attempt to do this, all of us have had a different relationship with food and the way your body is. You process food differently. Some of you have different types of, uh, of physical limitations or your body metabolizes food differently. And we're, we're almost like our own biological project, each person. Some of us have had different family traditions and because of that we're used to certain types of food. And I found that people get really, when you begin to talk about food, it's a very personal thing to people. And I want to be aware of that. And that's why when we have this fast, this is not a one fast fits all kind of fast. You know, the important thing is not the fast. The important thing is your relationship with God and what you're doing to get closer to him. Maybe you want to eliminate sodas. Just as one example, or eliminate sweets, whatever the case is. Food's really personal. And I want to show you today some examples from the Bible of how food truly has affected people. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2 at the beginning. At the beginning, verse 8 and 9, this is a story that's probably familiar to almost everybody here, but there's something powerful about reading it again. Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 8, says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he formed, he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees growing out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. So you can see there at the beginning, food was even existed before the fall of man. And in the middle of that garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now let's go to verse 6. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. And going on, and he says, except, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food... And pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it. That was how sin entered the world. Because there was one tree. There was one tree that God said, 
You can't eat from that one tree. But through the appetite, through the desire for food, that was the mechanism that sin entered the earth. I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 16. I want to show you scripture there. So, you know, you've heard it said there's an old colloquialism that the key to a man is through his stomach. And so for those who are pursuing a man, those ladies who are pursuing a man, if, if they want to really get to his heart, the theory is, and it has been tested, then you please the man through getting a good meal. Well, that, that is kind of an old-fashioned old-fashioned statement that certainly has some practical truth. But I think that one of the things we need to realize is that our stomach represents our appetites. So it's just not, it's not just the food, but it's also our sexual appetites. It's our appetite for power. It's something within our flesh that wants more and more and more. And those are the things that Jesus is calling us to submit to him. Now, an argument that you'll often hear that about the church, and people will say things like this. They'll say, well, you know, in the church, you know, people will speak against drugs or they'll speak against nicotine or they'll speak against different items like that. But there is an acceptability of gluttony. And I think that that is a valid but incomplete argument. What makes it incomplete is this. What makes it valid is the truth is that, yeah, I do think that as Christians, this what, what makes that valid is that we need some more discipline in the area of eating. And often that many of our so much of what we do revolves around that. And so we need to be aware of that. But the the incompleteness of that analogy is this, is that. You can spend the rest of your life and you can abstain from nicotine and you're going to be okay. You can, you can completely abstain from pornography and you're going to be okay. But you can't completely abstain from food. So you're going to have to have food in some sort. So to compare that, those things directly to one another is a little bit of an incomplete argument. But I do think that we need to be aware of all of our appetites and they need to be submitted to the lordship and so the most basic appetite we have is that desire to eat and when we choose to to eliminate something in our life so that we can open ourselves to prayer when we choose to do that for a certain season and a certain time then it opens a complete dimension for us in the spiritual realm now this scripture in ezekiel is referring to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, which this was two cities, ancient cities that were so full of corruption and that were so sexually deviant that God destroyed these cities. He saved Lot and his family, but he destroyed the cities. And when God was speaking to the prophet Ezekiel and he was uh, referring to the city in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 and 50, he said this. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant. Now look at this word. Overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. 
So we see there that connection. There's a lack of control of our appetites. There's a lack of control of our food intake. And there's also that connection with sexual morality because the issue here is lordship. The issue is our appetites. It's our ability to exercise the fruit of the spirit of self-control and to say that I am not. I am not owned by my body through the power of the Holy Spirit. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in control. He is controlling my thoughts. He's controlling my attitudes. He's controlling my behavior. And because of that, when I fast, I'm giving him control of that again. And I'm saying, God, you are in control. I am not going to be bound anymore to this negative attitude. I'm not going to be bound anymore to the sexual addiction. I'm not going to be bound anymore to uh, this unhelpful language. I'm not going to be bound anymore by this. And Lord, in order for you to do that work in me, I'm asking for a period of time. Help me not to be bound to refined sugar. You know, the truth is you're going to have refined sugar again. I mean, that would be, you know, I want us to be realistic about this. But there's a time where you say, God, I'm going to eliminate something in my life. Maybe it's two meals. Maybe it's two or three days. I'm going to eliminate something in my life because I want you to control all of my life. I want you to control all of who I am. Now, Jacob and Esau were twins. And Esau was supposed to get the birthright from his father. But one day Esau was out hunting. And he came back from the hunt and he was so hungry. And Jacob was a great cook. And Jacob had stew prepared for him. And he said, I am dying of hunger, Jacob. My appetite, I have got to have a meal. I need a meal right now. Have you noticed that that's what sin is in our life? We need something now. I need that money now. So I'm going to embezzle from my company. I need that person now. And so we commit adultery. I need my opinion to be heard now. So we spout off something that we haven't submitted to the Holy Spirit. So it was with Jacob. He said, I need that meal now. The immediacy of our appetites causes us to sin. And so what he did is he verbally gave his birthright, which was from God, to his younger brother. For a single meal, the power of a meal, the power of an appetite, the power of food. It's not the food. It's us. It's our appetites. And read with me in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. And it encourages us. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance and his inheritance rights. As the oldest son, he sold it to Jacob for a single meal. He gave everything. So obviously, like I said, fasting is very personal. There's not a cookie cutter fast. All of you, I I want you to uh, I want you to make an individual decision. It wasn't long ago that I decided to fast for a week. And uh, on day four of that fast, God spoke to me. Very, very specifically in a breakthrough, it fundamentally changed who I was. And later on that night, 
I broke the fast. Now, I wanted to go the whole week, but there was food. I grabbed it. I ate. And then I just broke the fast. My goal was a week. Only went four days. But God changed me in those four days. See, you understand that it wasn't like God said, you don't have the willpower. You were three days short. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about the length. It was about the heart. You see, in day four of that fast, God accomplished what he did. And on a very, that, that was a very personal thing to me. And I'm sharing it to you because it's, fasting is very personal. You're different than me. I'm different than you. It's not cookie cutter. But together as a body, we're going to have a corporate fast. And I want to talk to you just a couple of minutes about a corporate fast. And the Jewish people used to always have one day a year that was a corporate fast. It was called the Day of Atonement. And in Leviticus 23, 27 talks about this. It says the tenth day of the seventh month is the Day of Atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present an offering Made to the Lord by fire. That, that, that day is still observed. And it's a day that those in the Jewish faith observe. They all fast that one particular day. Now, sometimes the leaders call for a fast. And when King Jehoshaphat was the leader of the, the people of Judah, and they were facing a very... Difficult military situation where they were go- going to lose. I mean, the outcome was almost certain. In 2 Corinthians chapter 20, verse 3 and 4, he said this. He, he encountered a situation where he was overwhelmed. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So there as the leader, as the king of the people, what I'm talking to you about now is the reason why we fast together. Our fasting is individual, but we fast together. And it said the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And later on, you can read God brought an amazing victory by using the power of praise and worship. It started with a fast. You see, what happens is this, is when we fast as individuals and as a church, It's what happens after the fast that's amazing. Great things happen during the fast, but when the fast is over, something new happens. That's when the victory begins to happen and a breakthrough happens. Now, one of the key scriptures for New Testament Christians, it was was quoted several times in the New Testament about the dispensation that we're in right now where the Holy Spirit is not limited to one area, but he's upon all people, is Joel 2.28. And it says this in Joel 2.28. It says, And afterwards I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Let me just, if you've ever either heard that scripture or read that scripture, could you just quickly raise your hand just so I know how familiar that is. So a lot of us is familiar with us. About half of us in the room is familiar. That is a key scripture in the Bible. It's a key scripture in our faith heritage that, that we're realizing that, that God is going to pour his spirit out on all people, not just Jewish people, Jewish and Gentile, not just men, but men and women, not just the religious elite, but all people. God's going to pour his spirit out. Now, notice it says afterwards. Now, what happened before that scripture took place? Look at Joel 2, verse 12. 
Joel 2 verse 12 says this, Even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, there's a repentance there, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Look at verse 15 with me, at that same chapter. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. Meaning when he said blow the trumpet in Zion, get all God's people together, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. And then go back to Joel 2.28. And afterwards, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. I want you to begin to understand what's going to happen when us as individuals who have individual needs and we have, we, we have, we have individual fast, but we corporately say from January 10th to January 30th, we are going to create spiritual momentum in our personal life and in our church. Do you understand? I want you to anticipate what God can do in this church body. Because we're saying we're a group of people that we're not just doing church as usual. We're a group of people that we're being called together and we're doing something together because we know there's a spiritual dynamic that can happen. I believe there's going to be an anticipation of what God can do. The Holy Spirit can create something in our body this month that's going to carry throughout the year. Now, why are we having Worship time. So I'd say, well, why are we having worship times on Friday? What's the big deal about the Friday worship and intercession? Because there's a connection when you fast. It creates opportunities for more worship. Luke chapter 2. Let's look together there. In Luke chapter 2, verse 36, when Jesus was being dedicated, it says, There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow after she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Again, worship, prayer and fasting are connected. Why are we having Wednesday night a time of worship, Friday night a time of worship, because if you choose to participate, and none of you are obligated for this, at whatever level you choose to participate in a fast, it's going to be real important that worship's going to anchor the purpose for that. Yeah, for some of us, uh, the physical benefits will be exciting. We're going to feel more energized. Um, uh, our clothes might start fitting better. Our weight might drop. And if we're not careful, the vanity of that, the enemy will want to take us and begin, begin to let us focus on the vanity of what feels beneficial that weight loss does. For others of you, uh, there might be a few of you who, who have to even watch your weight. You, your weight shouldn't drop right now. But all those things are secondary. What anchors us is worship. What anchors us is worship. Getting in the presence of God. So I want to encourage you to uh, use tools that you have, worship CDs. Um, a, a lot of the, the Christian music now that, that you listen to in the radio is very worship-centered. I think that's a wonderful thing. Worship's an important part. This Wednesday, our worship night is going to be important. This Friday, our worship night is going to be important. Because Anna gave us an example of someone who connected her fasting and prayer with worship. Acts 13.2. I want us to look at one more scripture. It says, uh, this, this is Acts 13, uh, the early church got together to pick leaders. And it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, 
Look at that. Look at that connection there. They were worshiping and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. We don't know what the, as we corporately fast, what the Lord might have for us and what he might speak to us and how he might want us. He might want us to move in a, in a direction, and we're sensitive to that. Very quickly, before we move to close today, uh, what is a Daniel fast? A Daniel fast is something that, you'll, if, if you uh, look in your Bible for Daniel fast, where is it in the Bible? That term is never in the Bible. It's something that's implied. I must be honest with you, this is something that's come from human inju- uh, wisdom or, or thought. So um, it's something that is inferred. Uh, and th- there's two times that Daniel changed his food intake. And I want us to briefly look at that. The first one is in Daniel chapter 1. It says, But Daniel resolved, this is starting in verse 8, not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God has called, caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who's assigned you food and drink. Why should... He see you looking worse than the other young men your age. And the king would then have my head because of you. 11. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel and his friends. Verse 12. Please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he ordered, he, so he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days and 15. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Obviously, God has multi purposes in his divine wisdom. And so I think fasting does uh, help us beneficial, uh, is beneficial to us. And so in that one, they abstained from wine, from alcohol, they abstained from meat. And for 10 days had only vegetables and water. Now, let's go to Daniel chapter 10. And, and starting with verse 1, it said, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. And its message was true, and it concerned a great war. Daniel was very disturbed. And the understanding of the message came to him in a vision. Verse 2, And at that time I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. So that's 21 days, three weeks. I ate no choice foods. No meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So again, these, this is this, what's known as the Daniel fast is something that's inferred, and um, it's not necessarily something that the Bible says all of you need to have a Daniel fast. It's more of a, um, a guideline, just a guideline to help focus us. So I, I want to be real clear at that to let you know this is not a scriptural directive. This is just something uh, that is suggested that might be helpful to you. And so at the communication center, uh, there is a list of foods you can eat and can't eat if you want to participate in that, as I will be doing and a lot of church leaders will be doing. Uh, there's also on my blog, there's a list of those things, and, and it's going to be a great time. But you know what? What I'm excited about is I'm excited about a chance for you and I to have some more worship and some more prayer and to focus our spirit on what Jesus wants us to have. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you for a few minutes before Thank we Thank you leave. for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. 